This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Music Buzz Podcast. The Music Buzz Podcast features candid discussions with and about those behind the scenes in the music business, including industry veterans representing the segments of musician, design, and live. All three Music Buzz podcast hosts have spent their careers working with the biggest names in entertainment and have been and are still a fly on the wall. Dane Clark as the drummer for John Mellencamp's band for over 20 years and various solo projects. Hugh Syme, a world-renowned graphic artist for the biggest names in music and the corporate world. Andy Wilson, an award-winning marketing and public relations executive with over 20 years of combined multi-level entertainment industry experience in the music and sports business. Now let's buzz. Hello and welcome to the Music Buzz Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Andy Wilson, along with Dane Clark. Hi, Dane. Hi, Andy. How are you today? I'm good. And also Hugh Stein. Hey, Hugh. Hello, Andrew. Good to see both of you guys, as always. It's nice to hear you again. Likewise. Few American artists have concocted such a deliciously wild artistic and musical gumbo as the Louisiana Rays, New York, and California-tested Van Dyke Parks. Parks, his first paid gig after dropping out of college and relocating to L.A. was arranging The Bare Necessities for the 1967 film The Jungle Book. Arranger, songwriter, musician, actor, and producer has performed and worked with everyone from the Mothers of Invention to Skrillex to U2, The Birds, Silver Chair, and multiple collaborations uh, with Brian Wilson as well. Parks' work has been featured on hundreds of records and various film and TV soundtracks. We are so thrilled to have you here today with us. And uh, so please welcome to the Music Buzz podcast, Van Dyke Parks. Well, it's an honor to be with you. And I've, I've, I've noticed that the, the things that you do in your, your, the pods you cast, it shows a great deal of uh, 360 degrees of, of uh, mutual empowerment. You've got a lot of people in your life as well. <laughs> and it seems to me, if you put them all in one room, it might explode. <laughs> that's kind of the way i feel i feel like i'm at a betty betty boop cartoon here um <laughs> frank zappa and skrillex and you too and enormous and fabulous Eli- Eli- eliza carthy was one of the greatest musicians that i met that that uh, my favorite uh british uh, uh singers or or guitarists are uh martin Carthy, his daughter Eliza, and Norma Watterson. Imagine that I got to connect with British roots music. Because, <clears throat> in fact, I'm, I'm 78, so I'm kind of a distillate 
of those careless youths that I've enjoyed, all the different projects that have been a focus of my interest. <clears throat> and that, a lot of that has to do with Caribbeana, of course. We remember I got out of the box. I got out of the box with my interest in Calypso. But uh, yeah. that was in 71. I was a brunette at the time. And, <laughs> but I enjoyed the experience, the civilized, the refreshment that that offered. And I think that Ferland Getty's right. I think it would be terribly boring to, to just speak our own language. And I confess, I don't speak Spanish. I learn lyrics and I learn what lyrics mean. But in truth, when I hear music crafted well by a tunesmith of such stature, uh, say, as Paolo Conti, my favorite pop musician, let's call him a pop musician, Paolo C-O-N-T-E, his Reveries album on None Such is something not to be forgotten. It is, to me, and I don't mean that Bob Dylan needs to step aside, but just this is a great equalizer. His name is Paolo Conti. Now, when I hear an artist like that, and I don't understand the language, when I hear somebody like Maradza or Cesaria Avora of those blues from the, uh, the uh, Fado, it's called... Uh, not Azores, what the islands off of Africa. It's amazing, Cape Verde Islands. But the, the thing is, I don't have to understand the articulation of the lyrics to know whether I agree with these people. Right. And I find, when I find simpatico lyrics, when they, found, when they sound simpatico, and they're not coming at me too hard, then I, I'm digging it. Yeah, sure. And that's what I'm doing now, you see. As a wordsmith yourself and someone who obviously loves the language, sometimes a phonetic is enough to make you feel an emotional response without necessarily always understanding, you know, the, the, the syntax or the, or the meaning of the words. I mean, table, vegil, vegil, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm able, I will table it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that wasn't a professional stammer, I don't know what was. A timeless stammer, though, and a memorable <laughs> one. My brother designed a T-shirt with a half-eaten carrot and wrote the words to Because we were huge, huge uh, Beach Boy and Van Dyke Park fans when we were living in England at the time. Yeah, it was, it was a, a treat to hear that music for the first time. You spoke earlier about jumping genres and so on. You, you probably are the premier person for doing that, you know. The Beatles are talked about with, with respect to, you know, When I'm 64 and George Formby and people like that. But every time I start a song by you, it's just, I think I know where it's going. And then you just tilt the mirror and you keep tilting the mirror. And it's, oh, it's an... Well, well I, work very, I, work, I work hard at it. And in fact, you know, yeah. I think that there are more rabbits and more hats. There, there's more time to think about songwriting. And I intend, uh, as soon as I finish what I think will be a beautiful album-length project with the Veronica Valerio. And this, this, I turned left at Los Angeles, went south to Veracruz. I had been there in 1962. I was uh, 20 years old. I went down there in my Volkswagen Beetle uh, with my brother, who was seven years my senior. We went down to Veracruz. I wanted a harp. And we went down to Veracruz and we got a harp for me. And that harp, and we strapped it on the top of that Volkswagen and drove it back to Los Angeles. And I played it in coffee houses adequately. Wow. I could play it uh, serviceably and sing the song. And I would play things. I would play those loops in this thing called um, Harocho music. When I got to California, I thought, just pre-gold rush. Damn it, this sounds, um, I feel like I'm in Mexico now. Uh, and this now, I see that I am. Yeah, yeah. So your, your ear was attuned to that all the way back then. <laughs> no, man, how can you miss it? Well, you have to hear it first. I know, truly, to feel that, uh, to finally reconcile the fact, and this has to do with people who pick apples in Galax, Virginia. Apples. People come from uh, Central America, the isthmus between the 
gizmos. <laughs> and, and the banana republics that we left behind and now we're paying for it. Mm-hmm. This is the browning of America. And to me, this is not a huge, this, this is not, this is not what was required of Jonas Salk, who actually gave his polio vaccine to humanity without charging a dime. That's Jonas Salk. And that's the eth- ethics of a real uh, inquiring spirit. So now, now we, we've got, we, We've got this thing called multiculturalism, and we need to we need to to face it. Uh, this is this is a a congenial social challenge, and we need to invent what multiculturalism is because that we're here now. Yeah, and the planet is getting smaller too. Yeah, that impresses me uh, greatly because at every ATM, I am asked whether I would like my transaction to be in English or Spanish. So yeah. let's just mm. face facts, folks. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. It's, it's time to get out of the hall of mirrors and kind of see what's out there and see if we want to assimilate it into our own language or behavior or attitude. You know, and so I just happened to end up at the bottom of Mexico. And guess what's there? In within the trees, the ghosts within the trees, a pre-Columbian culture. Yeah. One, listen here, one that preceded the, the Egyptians by thousands of years with their pyramids, with, mm-hmm. their, with, right. with, the, with their astronomy, which is correct. The precision of their astronomy. And it's enough to, to, uh, it's enough to sh- sh- uh, um, shudder your druid marrow. This is, <laughs> this is big stuff. This is, this is ancient. And so you get these, these influences and this attitude, these the, the melange, let's use a foreign word, uh, the, the mixture of this, these attitudes, which are not simply torpedos los progressive profit. Yeah. It has nothing to do with eating your neighbor alive. Yes mm. means yes. Different language. So I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, I thought, well, this is, a, I don't play golf. Somebody asked if I would do this record. Would I do a record for her? I, I told her I couldn't get anybody interested. In 78, Codger Rocker, cult hero of the 60s. Who wants to do poetry from, from southern Mexico? It's something that record executives run from in terror. Mm. Oh, no question. Poetry records. <laughs> yeah. So there I was. And guess what? By the luck of the draw, someone called me who heads a new record company called Modern Music. I looked at his credential in, in Berlin. I said, what are you doing? And I told him this. And my wife and I had sunk about all we have. We don't have a savings account, so I didn't have to worry about depleting that. But it was, it was nip and tuck mm. to do a record with no patron. So we're people of no property, but plenty of but I got plenty of something. Mm-hmm. And, and and we got we got I got about twelve songs done you know, to some great degree of satisfaction, and I thought this is really a very nice introduction. I should meet this girl someday. We've never met, and you still haven't met. No, okay. and I can imagine. See, 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 guys, we're very plain people. I want all I want, and it, it, and it, and one of the one of the mantras has to be at my age. If not now, when I want to be, mm. I want to be at an after concert party holding high quality finger food from the Mediterranean after a party, after a concert in Barcelona, where I did a piano solo or two for this girl with the orchestrations I've provided. I'd like my wife and me to get, I'd say, Two round trip business tech class tickets to Barcelona. Hey, yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's that's how things happen. You have to formulate the vision. You did it because you you loved what you do and you loved what she did and you just wanted to do it and you kind of had to do it. Maybe, I mean, if we're serious musicians, it has to it has to be the love of the music first. It has to be in your heart. Yeah. It can't just be dollar signs. I mean, everybody wants to make a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's right? true, but the fact, no, but I do like it. I, I want it to be absolutely appealing. 
So I like it to no be. Question. I mean, to me, this music is somewhat intoxicant. It, it is, uh, to me, I, remind, I might as well face it. It will be accused of being exotica or like, you know, Martin Denny. Uh, that might come to mind or something. But, you know, the fact is, it's a beautiful, beautiful parallel universe. And um, it's just amazing. So it's beautiful to behold. Once you get that, it's a good thing. There's nothing really to think about. There's nothing complicated about it. It is folk music. But I'll tell you, and under that whole thing, because, of course, Phil Oaks said, in such ugly times, the only true protest is beauty. And I thoroughly believe that. You and Phil Oaks were kind of close, weren't you? Uh, we honestly, I felt a great fidelity. I felt like a brother to Phil when we were together for uh, several years. Now, Phil Oaks' best work, of course, I feel, was as soloistic with a guitar. I mean, that, that is, to me, that is, you know, he died uncorrupted. Mm -hmm. I'm so sad about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but he was right to say to that he had an appreciation of beauty, and he insisted on an orchestra, and that's how we got involved to be known to us, uh, that I that I knew. Him. But we were neighbors, you see, and we spent a great deal of time. Mm. He would come over and look at the Zabruder film with me. You see, I had the only copy in L.A. when the Freedom of Information Act. I through it. I got the Zabruder film, and I had a Boyu projector with sixteen millimeter, and I could uh, blow up, and I could, and I could freeze frame on, on the uh, uh, on the assassination of JFK. And wow. we would sit there, and we would look at, it and he brought over the people like uh, you know uh, Paul Krasner, and then that group of uh, Chicago rock. Yeah. But it was a thing, this. Uh, but you see, I believe that Phil Oaks was right. I diverged, of course, I often do. But the thing is, beyond the search for to make something beautiful after such a ruggedly informed optimism, these have been dark times. Mm -hmm. Time to no be question. angry. Time for rage. If you want it, want to be. If you want rage. We know we see it all over the place. We see that in the audience of Skrillex, for example, for whom I work for one thing in mind. Not that I was too good for this punk, but I <laughs> hope to deserve him. I hope to deserve him. And I'll tell you why. Because when he called me, he had just done a concert with 150,000 enraged European youth disenfranchised, never to work, hopelessly in a rage social victims of some mismanagement of our economy, uh, income uh, disparity, etc. So you see, I... Well, and I've got to just interject quickly. I listened to that. It was called Orchestral Suite, and it says Bivarian when you look it up. And it's it was on an EP that he put out, and it's your arrangement. Mm. It's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know what he normally does because I don't follow that. But what you did. Uh, what did he call it? I wrote it out. It's pretty sure this is Skrillex Orchestral Suite, quote unquote, by Varian, V-A-R-I-E-N. And then it says it was arranged by you. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. There is a case in point. What that what what it's what motivates you one to try to make the world better. See, so to what, what motivated is this, this sense of rage. And so the question there, I came to the, like Yogi Berra, I came to the fork of a road and I had to take it. I'm either too good for this man or I hope I am good enough for this man who is leading these hopeless people somewhere. Mm -hmm. Am I going to give them all my means of empowerment, what I can bring to them? Array. Well, you sure brought it, man. You you brought your skill to that arrangement. It, it blew my mind. No, no. Let me tell you something. No, it was his it touched me. His generosity and courage, reckless of him. And I tell you something. Uh, we uh, the orchestra was so large. So we did the Capitol Building, another fam famous one, round one. And then they they had the big studio where Sinatra and all those people did. But we yeah. had to open up the the wall to the next studio. The orchestra was so big. Wow. And I was quite scared. You see, I was always. I have always been. Very careful, lest my ambition outreach my ability. I feel very modest about my my ability because, quite frankly, I'm surrounded by giants and always have been all my life. People of greater ability musically. So there it is. You see, it was uh, 
it is what motivates the job. And in this, this case, it is the browning of America, something which we have to take seriously in an age of, of vote recounts. Gentlemen, in an age when we're praying that we need one more board member on Exxon to believe that, the, that we have a problem with our climate. Now, there are reasons for hope, and I see them by this new administration, which invites questioning. But my, my concern is a very small one. I'm just an amoeba, and I tell you, I know it. But I'm part of a process that is concerned for, with the, the tremendous destruction, the rapidity of destruction of the variety of life and its expressions as we live. Species. Extinction, and I'm telling you, cultural uh, extinction and language extinction. These are the things that concern me. What bothers me is the, the plight of the monarch butterfly, uh, 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 ecology, uh, uh, the generational oh, war, which has only been, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg from Greta Thun Thunberg. And I'm on Greta's side on all of this. I'm hugging the tree. I'm sorry. And I'm looking. Mm -hmm. And, and, yeah, when, I I, and when, when I hear when I hear a poet from the Yucatan who wonders if I might put some ropes around her to give her music a, a pedestal, that is to get a violin, uh, a string section around her. I'm not too busy. I don't play golf. As a matter of fact, the last time I hit two good balls was when I stepped on the garden rake this morning. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> try the veal. I'm here all week. <laughs> so I became aware of you when I was pretty young. I was probably about eight because I saw your name as a guest musician on the back of the Birds record, Fifth Dimension, on the song 5D. Right there, it said Van Dyke Parks. And I can't remember if it said that you played organ or what, but your name was on that record. And that's such a rare thing. I mean, I can only think of uh, the only parallel would be when the Beatles said the Beatles with Billy Preston on the Get Back <laughs> single. Yeah. You know, yeah. seriously, normally a session musician never got like a billing like that. So they must have really respected you. Um, and you have the distinction of playing on an, un an unquestionably crucial role in three different ways in three of my favorite songs of all time. That's one of them. I love 5D. It's Roger McGuinn's finest moment, I think, as a lyricist, and the melody's great. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, it swings like a pendulum, you know, that 6-8 groove, and the, the lyrics are fantastic. It's a great song. Your organ, and it kind of sneaks in on that last verse, and then it kind of overtakes the song at the end. It's fabulous. And real Garth. Yeah. What? By the way, I've just got to ask, what kind of organ was that? It was a B3. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's fantastic. One of my favorite tracks. And then, as the, as the lyricist on the supernaturally fantastic Surf's Up, I was reading about that song years before I ever heard it in some weird rock book that I had gotten from the neighbor across the street that was talking about the making of the Smile record, which had not come out. And I was so intrigued by it. And when those songs started kind of dribbling out on those late 60s Beach Boys records like Cabin Essence, which, oh, praise be, no. what a fantastic melody and lyric. And, uh, and Surf's Up, to me, is... It's got to be, it's one of my five greatest songs I've ever heard in my life. It was great. It's fantastic. So, but I got to say one thing, and you, can you tell us the story? And let's, let's just call you uh, on one of my other favorite songs, and it happens to be a Beach Boys song too. Let's call you Cello Advisor on a song. Can you explain to us how you got to that session when you, when you were doing Good Vibrations and you suggested the, the triplets? Yeah, I was around, I was hanging around. Uh, on uh, this, I think Pet Sound was still being uh, uh, what he concocted. That is, uh, and I remember then. That's when I was I met Brian, and then uh, he asked me to be lyricist for him. Uh, when he said we would work together, it was obvious I was going to do the lyrics, and he was going to do the music. But I had different instrumental ideas than he did, and that's why the the cellist. I mean, although. He had used harmonica in a brilliant way. He treated harmonica at the top uh, like uh, he treated it like a woodwind. He'd yeah. include it in the woodwinds, have it articulate the woodwinds, and eventually, I believe it even had triadic relationship with the woodwinds. 
And uh, that was very, very, uh, that was very sensible to treat. The, it was Tommy Morgan, by the way, who has hung it up after a stroke. And then, then the bass, of course, the bass harmonica was a great deal. And, and that was especially punctuated uh, in Pet Sounds. That reminded us of Johnny Paleo, the Harmonicats, whose original peg of my heart. Only three harmonicas provided that hit. The, the chromatic, the chord, and the bass. So any American would have embraced that, although it was a German instrument owner. Uh, the fact is, it American co America co-opted it as much as the Brits did the blues. You know, I mean, all of a sudden it was our lingua franca, and then it was our instrument, and it's what they took to gold, gold to find the gold uh, in California. They had the harmonica with them. But the the thing is, um, I didn't wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. But it seemed to me that he was inviting my interest in the music too. And I remember on Good Vibrations being on the floor of the organ for the for the for the long long chords in the middle of the piece when everything gotta keep them yeah 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 and you, yeah. Hear, the, and you hear this truck stop jukebox uh waterbed kind of like coming like a rhino in estrus to you coming for this huge bottom and i was on the floor uh holding yeah. the put foot pedals down of the organ to a which is what that was what he wanted me to so i did it i remember that wow. and then for some reason and i think it's my power of suggestion and he could he also he could allow i could be the bad cop you know i could help him uh, do things that were uh, beyond the parameters of the group and i told him that he ought to uh, uh, use he ought to accent those, those triplets you were talking about the triplets and yeah. a piece before I forget which one we were talking. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, McQuins, good vibrations. Roger McQuinn's. Yeah. yeah. So the point is, uh, and the, uh, really uh, very, very uh, persuasive rhythms in in uh, twelve eight, of course, um, from the Perry Mason theme to Night in the City by Joni Mitchell. And there's just so many, many great Stevie uh, 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 Wonder songs. A lot of shuffles have been very successful. Well, they win every time. Well. Uh, so I said, yeah, I think you ought to have the bass line kind of like accent, you know, because he had the Dan Electro. That was a, the instrument of choice to, um, to accent the bass, to give the bass, uh, some punctuation, the Dan Electro. It was like a muted guitar. And I said, right. I think you ought to use a cello on the, uh, on the, on the uh, bass for the, and so the cellist came to the session. Jesse Ehrlich was his name. Uh, he was probably in his 60s by then and seen it all, he, he, he felt. And uh, <laughs> of course he had, because he'd been a great, was great or probably a member of the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra or maybe L.A. Sure. Anyway, Jesse Ehrlich was sitting there with a music stand in front of him. There was no music on it. And I went into the session and I do not know why I was invited or uh, anything about it. I do know that uh it was time to record and i said brian tell him fundamentals eighth notes secco means dry arco which means by the bow mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. brian pushed the control booth control booth talk back to the studio where jesse was looking up quizzically with no music wondering what to do yeah. and and uh, Brian says, Jesse Van Dyke says, Barco. So <laughs> Jesse looks at Brian, he says, Barco? <laughs> I never heard. Barco. <laughs> <laughs> we, we finally got that ironed out. And of course, when Mike Love heard it, he said, who's going to play the cello? Well, of course, now it seems to me the brand has learned that you can play those notes on a guitar too. It's no yeah. big deal. It's no big deal. Right. So, I mean, and let's face it, it was, it turned out to be, in my vanity, I believe, I like to characterize it as, uh, if, if, if synesthetically, I'd say like, it's like the Ruby Slippers was to the Wizard of Oz. It's a signature, no, it's a signature Dude. thought. Up oh, no question. 
And Brian and Brian realized that, and he brought that thing right in the face. So powerful it was that I remember when they first played this piece, Good Vibration, on the Lloyd Thaxton show, one of those dance shows like Dick Clark in LA. Yeah. And they played it. And some com- I was with in a room when the, one of the promotion men, these small minded guys, uh, payola guys, he looked at another guy and said, when, they, when the dancers started falling apart on the dance floor in the middle of Good Vibration, he looked at this other guy and said, My worst nightmare. <laughs> so, of course. Dancing yeah, you can't for, dance though. Yeah, dancing is all about it. But anyway, that changed history. That's a masterpiece. Ten CC dared to do a six-minute song called "I'm Not in Love," right in the middle of the disco phase, and Bee Gees doing "Saturday Night Fever." So, if a song is beautiful and a song works, it's going to find a home. That's nice. Yeah, that's got to be one of the most popular Beach Boys songs ever. I mean, now here's something that I read back in the day was that he worked on that that song alone, which was the first song after Pet Sounds that he was toiling with, that he worked on that sucker for six months, that he recorded it at three different studios, re-recorded it, changed it around. I think the, I think the total expenses of that single were $63,000, which was a fortune at that time. For a single. Wow! Yeah, for so a he, single, he, he spent a little. He spent a little time on that, for sure. Yeah, he did. And uh, but I tell you, I just look at just to uh, to tie it up with a bow, and I think it deserves one. Fact is, uh, I was fortunate to have met Brian. I worked for Brian Wilson. I enjoyed it immensely. It really took me places I never thought I would go. It was not all. Uh, all roses a lot of it was very difficult but it was a wonderful experience and we like we all shared with this tremendously um interesting backstory of brian wilson his personality his personal dilemmas and so forth and victories but his music is his music so i was very 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 fortunate it's almost like i found what i wanted to which was to see what, if I could connect with music that mattered to a lot of people. And it turned out that it did. And that made no me question. feel good that I'd gotten out of the black and white shadows of my conservatory. I'm going to say, though, as much as you revere those, that relationship, the benefit, I think, sw- swung both ways. I think he gleaned an, a, an immense amount of who you are. And your input, I think you underplay that by the way you're describing that relationship. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not underplaying. I'm just saying I was a lucky man. A man. I remember. So was he, though. Remember that line? Is a, a, a French horn lick on, yeah. on heroes and villains. Yeah. Yeah. He gets to the end of it and he and I had to add him, had him add the flutter tone, of course, because he hadn't been around the flutter tone. Uh-huh. He'd been too busy with the Beach Boys that he didn't know. The f- so I got a chance to do little things mm. that added a decorative value. But yeah. that's almost, but still, you know, but the point is, and then you look at, and you look at the collaborative value of all the people that worked with Brian. The fact is, music is wonderful when it's collaborative. It doesn't have to be. A lot sure. of people do some shit by themselves. I mean, amazing. For someone like you that had, I think it was 77 credits on song cycle alone, you clearly do feel collaboration is, is a treat. Yeah, you, you have sur- surrounded yourself with some pretty amazing people, but they've had the same fortune to have worked. No question. With you, yeah. How about Harry Nilsson? He was a close friend of yours, wasn't he? Yeah, I keep his uh, picture up with his. I was with him and Ringo. My good friend Ringo Starr, who told me, don't you just hate it when people name drop? Anyway, <laughs> so, but so if you're going to name drop, buddy, go all the way. That's right. <laughs> there goes the man. Everybody should do job 101 with Harry Nilsson. Is anybody should listen to? I think is it open the window? Is it open the window, guys? I don't know. It has to do with the window. Is this an early one from the... Early. The Panda... What, what was that first record that he had? I don't I know. Don't know I'm at a loss. But it's the one the Beatles went nuts on and became Harry Nelson. Oh, no, no. It's it just that, that thing about the window. That, this kid, Salmon Falls, started with a matchbook. Him and 
uh, a lyric, him and Klaus Vormann, who did the cover, by the way, for the yeah. record called Only in America that everyone should bite. That's right. Everyone should buy the damn record to support the starving artists and, and push us Amen. all in the black, black ink and so that I don't wake up with a horse's head on my pillow tomorrow morning. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Was that was that a good logging That's the merch? A horse's head. Yeah. <laughs> Very subtle and, and all turn it into the godfather. I don't That's want right. the horse's head on my pillow. Fans, please buy the damn record. It's buy the vinyl, record, damn you. And the cover, and I'm not kidding was done with the genius of, of Klaus Vormann. He did a great. We all, we all looked at that. It's, it's beautiful. We were looking at it. Yeah. And it, it even it has a nice nod to, was that Husak? What's the name of the, the famous uh, Japanese? The Revolver. Yeah. The Revolver album is what made me say, oh, that's definitely Klaus. I don't know the Japanese. But the yeah. wave, the wave to the right. Oh, is, no, no, no. Absolutely. It's, it's, Akusai. He's got, he's got, Akusai. yeah, he's got the Asiatic waves. Got the, he's got the bite of the waves. And I tell you, and I like the way that the hair itself goes to the harp strings. Now, this is the hand of an 80-year-old man. And I want to tell you, Vorman is a genius. And he's a genius, a genius. He can remember and make a photorealistic shot of memory. Wow. He, as he did with, with Nilsson at, uh, uh, at the throat doctors. He can, I have a few uh, Vorman things, sketches from the five months we spent together in Malta to filming the pic, uh, picture Popeye, five months to the day. What, would, what did you do with the Popeye film? Uh, there, there is a record album out called The Soundtrack to Popeye, which is a very, okay. very interesting because it's got liner notes that have all the dirt about uh, all of the whole situation. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, warts and all. So lots of fun. Lots of good gossip, and and that's it. And believe me, and believe, and it's got and it's got the uh, demo. And that's Nelson on there too. No, it's got Nelson's all over it. Nelson, Nelson's all over it. My orchestrations, uh, the, uh, the 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 demo sessions, the wow. whole thing. Nice. The, the Popeye soundtrack. So I was there. I I had uh, been there at the demo, each every, every single demo session, playing mm. piano. You know, thinking up a chord here or there or something, and. Um, that's what would happen. And with Doug Dillard sometimes and Jim Keltner, maybe. Boy, that must have been a hoot. Or maybe just Harry and me. And, and then we could get in Robin or Shelley or do something. Or Harry would sing songs. And then I'd play accordion and Doug would play banjo. And it's a lot of fun because the banjo gave it a, a like an old chanty in old chanty town. Yeah. And then that D Dillard asked Doug Dillard how fast he was. He said, I can see a germ. <laughs> he, he, was, he was amazing. He has died. He was, <laughs> he was a partying soul, wasn't he? <laughs> he? He was a brilliant, brilliant American uh, uh, Smithsonian. Yeah, stuff in the Smithsonian that pertains to Dillard. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and then we, and I, so I did all of that. And then I went, then I, uh, uh, one time, uh, Harry asked me if I would go to Malta. I said, no, thing. I don't want to go to Malta to, to be during the shoot. But uh, and be in a band on a you know pretend that we're playing music on in, in a film at a saloon. No, I don't want to do that. So I was talking with Doug a few days later, and Doug comes. Aren't you coming to Japan? I said, I, Why would I want to do that? He said, Well, I don't know. They're going to give us you know twenty five hundred dollars a week, and then then expen all expenses and this that. I oh <laughs> oh. <laughs> I called back Robert Allman. I said, Hacked. I thought you said schmacked. Uh. And so, so I I ended up going with my wife, and we had a we had a, a beautiful daughter in, on Malta. She's a Maltese American citizen. Oh wow! Well, nice. And um, so, yeah, what can I tell you? So now it comes time for me to do a, a record album with this girl from the from Veracruz, Veronica Valeria, only in America on modern music. And so I said, so I said, plug that uh, thing. Yes. Yeah. So I said, Klaus, will you please do the cover? And he and he said, Well, what do you want? I said, Well, I like you know, I want it to look like a Haitian postcard. I want extreme, extremely contrasting colors, a violent, violent action on the on the retina. I mean, a total like Rousseau on a, on a on a great trip. Instead of the tropicality, he brought me this sober. Uh, very severe cover 
Yeah. And very analytical and very insightful. But still whimsical. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. so sweet. Anyway, this giant, Klaus Vormann. Yeah. What a great bass player, too, man. I mean, oh, good no, no, Lord. No, man. Everything about him. Everything about him. Yeah. Everything. The guy is just so enduring. I just love him with all my heart. And uh, he has really illuminated my life in many ways. He had done the cover for a record I did with a Guatemalan girl by the name of Gabby Moreno called Spangled. He put the two of us on the front. He did, he did, a, he did the front of a single I did of the All Golden. And it's on Song Cycled as well. It's plural. I did it years later just, just to confuse myself. Make it a little harder for me to find out where anything was. And on your live record, which I listened to last night, that's very cool too. The best performance is on this that that record called "Songs Cycled," and it's just solo piano, it's just piano voice. But he put in no time flat. I mean, I'm talking within within 48 hours. He provided an oil. He said, what do you want it to be? He said, what is the song about? I said, well, I don't know. It's about the vastness of, I mean, I'm just trying to capture the agrarian reality, American, the American century, the 19th century, the, the you know, the conquest of the, uh, you know, the, the fields and so, uh, just endless fields, golden. So, so that's what it's, and he came back with that endless field and a Hawkeye view of a man down below in the at an irreducible minimum at a piano at a grand piano in overalls man he reduced me to almost nothing in this great expanse it was so that's awesome i mean i'm sorry what was the title again yeah i need to see that that's called the all golden. I mean, it's in, it's in, it's, it's, it's the artwork for a, for a single I did, uh, uh, for, for, for Bella, for Bella Union, which is an English company. And, um, I want to tell you, I'm, I, it's, this is just to punctuate the fact that I know an artist by the name of Klaus Vorman, a graphic artist like Klaus Vorman. And we are like brothers. He is, I guess he's 81 now. I treasure him. He, he is so famous for having done the revolver cover, uh, and, he, and he did not uh, miss a shot on this one. Just one of the great artists that I have ever met. Yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. It's a beautiful cover. Isn't it sweet? Like, yeah. immediate. And that, that's after I saw that the Klaus had been in a coma for five days. You see, I just had found that out. Wow. His wife left him to go skiing. She left him at the door. He dropped there. She came back. After four days, actually, and for two more days, took him to the hospital. He was dehydrated. Of course, he was in a coma, and he was out of this world oh, for six wow. days. Wow. Can you imagine? Oh, God bless him. I had no other choice about who would do my album or, or my single cover or anything. And instead of saying, oh, let's let the man relax. No. Hop on it. Yeah, man. It's called alacrity. It means a cheerful immediacy. Yeah. Why use a simple word? No, it's a lovely word. Why use a simple word? Alacrity. Um, it just is uh, a cheerfulness and an immediate and, a and, and brilliant. And, you know, it's like, and he also wrote an essay in that same collection of singles on Bella Union and songs cycled. And in it, he talked about running down the street of Berlin with his mother and four siblings, pushing the baby carriage as the uh, Russian bombs dropped overhead to the buildings around them. He talked about that yeah. and stuff. And we have a great enduring friendship that I wanted to see Part of our American experience and um, uh, multinational search for a better, more understanding world, one that's more at ease with the very idea that survival 
depends on the power to adapt to new information creatively. And the reason that I chose music. So I was the fourth boy and they had whipped me into being a doctor or something of immediate service beyond the purpose of music and to heal and console. And so I find myself not a, a, a muralist. I wanted to be, everybody wants to be Mozart. Some people are said to be Mozart. There was only one Mozart. There is only one Bach and without him, it's a rather barren day. But the fact is, I have my grandfather's piano. It came into the Parks family on March 11th, 1911. I'm the fourth boy. How did I get it from North Carolina and Florida and Pittsburgh and Mississippi? How did it hit all these bases and arrive in my home in Los Angeles? It's a matter of wonder that it still exists on its three legs. But I have at it every day that Steinway. Music is all I know. Everything else is stammering, and you guys have been most generous. I hope your friends will forgive me, but I want to hasten you all to get me some black ink at Modern Music in Berlin. They'd be real impressed if people will buy my new work called Only in America with a poetess of the Yucatan, Veronica Valerio. I feel like I'm a very lucky man. It's our fortune today to spend this time with you, too. You have to know. It's an honor. Oh, guys. Hey, where are you all, by the way? What towns? Indiana. Hillbillies in Indiana. Well, speak, <laughs> speak for yourselves. <laughs> okay. Canadians in Indiana. And Well, I'm, I'm getting there now. I'm, I'm getting awful close now. Where are you? You're in Canada? I'm actually Canadian, but my daughters live here in Indiana, so I moved down to be closer to them. As I tell the boys here, I'm building a home in Indiana for the price of a, a driveway in Toronto. We're turning him into a hillbilly. Yes, we are. I understand that, that I am a somewhat removed cousin of James Whitcomb Riley. Mm. And that is, is my mother's second cousin, I believe. Wow. My brother's name was Benjamin Riley. And so, yeah, uh, Raggedy Ann, Raggedy Andy. Come on, yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, I actually live in Greenfield, Indiana, so that's the home of James Wickham Riley. Wow. Well, let's see. That's um, heavy stuff. Let's, let's just, let me do something entirely unoriginal. This is just something that occurred to me. I love bass lines that go somewhere. This one is written by two black Americans, a hymn, in, uh, I believe, 1912. It's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. Yeah, beautiful. Wow. Ain't it something? Wow. Yeah. Private concert, Van Dyke Parks right here. <laughs> Fantastic, man. It's awesome. Love it. That's a warning. That's we better be brothers, folks. Brothers and sisters. All right. I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna go off to my my uh, my chores. Van Dyke, it's been uh it's been a pleasure, man. Yes it has. God bless you. Very generous. No, you, you, you are. Thank you for for sixty years of fantastic work of, in all genres and ways that it's it's hard to even describe. But thank you. Well, we have much to do. 
Well, we better hasten to it. I'm here to serve. I'm on your team. You're an inspiration, man. Always have been. Okay, keep the light on. I'll be back. Okay. 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 Take care. Bye, man. Thank you. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.